Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the ditzy blondes with Chihuahua's capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Uh, I've been cleaning pool filters all day in my thong and it's really riding up my b-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure the girlfriend's loving that. <laughs> and joining us from the creepy boss that tries to have sex with you to get a promotion of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? You read my goddamn mind with that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick this off by going to hell. My what's happening was I am suffering the mildest of consequences for wine-staining my interns. <laughs> <laughs> And before we get started, let you know what that's all about. If you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So this time we watched Legally Blonde, the movie that really put Reese Witherspoon on the map. And John, how would you tell someone you watched Legally Blonde without using the title? Okay, yeah, so I was in court the other day, and they were all like, due process, blah, 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 and I was like, um, no. That lip gloss, it's more like lip matte, thank you very much, and they were like, oh my god, you're so right, full custody! <laughs> I already want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fucking amazing, John. And Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie, what would it be? Oh, this is, without a doubt, the only title it can be is Crazy Rich White People Problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very true. It's very true. These are some motherfucking one percenter problems right here. So, guys, what was your experience with this 2001 classic? Did you see it in theaters? Did you see it at the video store? How did you, you watch it for the first time? I don't remember. It definitely wasn't the theater. For some reason, wound up watching it. I don't know if it was a date thing or what. It, yeah, I saw it at some point. That's it. Yeah. I mean, of course, being a man's man who burps in public, farts in bed, and can only get an erection while firing a machine gun at communists and predator, I never watched it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course I watched it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it left me with the delusion that I can do anything, because movies like this kept telling me that goals in life aren't obsessively, mind-strainingly, back-breakingly, torturously difficult. So, uh, but it was one of those feel-good movies, you know? It was popular... Had some sweet moments, some fun, topsy-turbulent world kind of things, a few uplifts. But yeah, it, it's not memorable to me. So I definitely saw this when it came out. I am 95% sure I saw it in the theaters. I'm sure I also saw it on DVD. And because I grew up in a very toxically masculine culture, you couldn't like this film. You weren't allowed to like this film. And I recall liking this film, but you couldn't say that because then you were a gay girl and you would get bullied. Yeah, there was some of that, I guess. But like I said, I had, I had moments in it that I enjoyed. I just not, not the most memorable. You see, no, there are moments that I distinctly remember from this movie from back then, and I will point them out. So for me, it was it was memorable. I remembered enjoying it. It definitely still holds up, I think. It kind of falls apart a little towards the end of the second act. It gets, it kind of jumps. A little? A little bit. 
just a little bit. Because there's only that much left to fall apart by the time you get there. Uh, John, I'm getting the sense you didn't like it. Uh, it's more of like Jules was saying. It's an enjoyable enough watch, and then when it's done, that's it. It's not really quotable. There's a few horrible moments that get burned in your brain. <laughs> and not just the um, intern almost sexual attack it's the weinsteining yeah it, it's even the more unsettling now i think i mean the the weinsteining barely begins and it, it gets shut down yeah. immediately so that's cool but i find the uh oh, fuck what what's it called the bend and pop bend and snap bend and snap i find that even more disturbing that's oh no <laughs> it's true no it really is. that was a whole thing that is one of the things that i do remember from the movie I remember my mother particularly enjoying that moment. But yeah, watching it now, and we'll, we'll get more into it when we go through the movie, but it definitely feels like filler. They were hurting for runtime, and they're like, okay, we need like a montage to give this an extra five minutes so we can get up to 90 minutes, and that's what they came up with. Filler. The movie! <laughs> <laughs> it's become sort of notorious also a little in the hollywood industry because it's like one of the iconic movies for um snyder's save the cat he basically says this is exactly how a movie structure will look like you know according to every audience and he uses legally blonde as one of his favorite examples the fuck yeah my argument is that she doesn't actually save the cat until like halfway through the movie <laughs> no she doesn't no she doesn't and again that we'll get into that scene of course audience yeah we're, we're just kind of spoiling the whole movie for you right now but guess what deal with it uh so this was based off of a novel yes came out the same year uh the producers actually got a hold of it before it was published based off of a true story sort of uh the author who wrote the novel went to stanford law i'm not sure she went for a boy but she was kind of you know socal sorority girl and got a very cool reception there and it kind of made her doubt her life choices i can't remember if she went on and actually became a lawyer but she did write a very famous book that got adapted to a very famous movie did the book involve her living in a world of stereotypes too i'm sure she did i don't know <laughs> We'll get into the stereotypes of the movie. I think they're, they're played in a very self-aware way. Of course. But if this is based on a true story, that's got to be the loosest based on a true story <laughs> ever. This is this is not Erin Brockovich here. <laughs> no, it's not Erin Brockovich. Her original manuscript that she submitted, you know, to like get the money to write a book or whatever, was on pink paper. Oh, my so God. that shit in the movie about her turning stuff in on pink paper was actually from there. And it's it caught the attention the guy was like that's the only reason i read it i was like who the fuck sends pink paper <laughs> did she also spray perfume on it or was that just a thing the writers added unclear unclear okay this also had a brand new director robert luketic i think is how you pronounce his name australian he had done like one short film and they were like you're the guy to do this mgm feature film and so he got the job he did a couple things afterwards but not anything that's too too rememberable great cast in this movie i think that's one of its strong points reese witherspoon is really good as elwood Luke Wilson's in it, Selma Blair, Victor Garber is in it, and I don't like what they do with his character because <laughs> he gets a little Harvey Weinstein as we were mentioning earlier. Yeah. Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's mom, is in it. Mm hmm. Allie Larder. Allie Larder of lots of things. 
and Raquel Welsh of all people. Yeah, surprise <laughs> Raquel Welsh. <laughs> casual Raquel Welsh is casual. <laughs> She's very casual. She's having a body wrap. That's about as casual as it comes, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely had an impact on the culture. I think there was a Legally Blonde musical on Broadway at one point. Yes, indeed. There was a sequel, Red, White, and Blonde. And the reason why we're doing it is because they got a third one coming out. They just say, you know, that which is dead cannot die. (laughs) (laughs) Once you stare into the blonde, the blonde stares into you. (laughs) (laughs) The blonde does stare back. Hollywood is going through the franchise graveyard, digging up things, whether or not they may be relevant. There is no such thing as a Hollywood graveyard. Nope. Nothing can't be exhumed and electrocuted enough to flail a little to give the impression of life. All right. Well, with all of that said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start breaking down Legally Blonde. Oh, my God. L, Harvard Law sent you a letter. (gasps) Oh, my God. This is it, Delta News. I'm going to get into Harvard Law. And finally, Warner is going to see that I am worthy enough to be his wife. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, the anticipation. Oh, it's so killing me. What's it say? What's it say, Al? Dear Miss Wood, thank you so much for your interest in Harvard. Ooh, they thank me for my interest. That's a good sign, guys. However, after reviewing your application, we've decided to reject you. Your background is completely unsuited to the legal profession, and your video essay was absurd to the point of being laughable. Oh, no. Seriously, what were you thinking quoting daytime television facts? As if that would impress us. Well, that's just rude. However, we did want to note that you look pretty damn hot in a bathing suit, and we've all cranked out a few to your video. We would be very grateful if you sent another. Even a picture or two would suffice. Our swollen hogs thank you in advance. Your pal, Harvard. Ew, a bunch of gross perverts. Well, I mean, it was a long shot. I, you'd probably be more successful and fulfilled with something like you know, fashion marketing. I wanted to go to Harvard Law. Bring me my bedazzled paddle. Yes, protagonist. That's right. I'm the main character. <laughs> Jesus. And we're back, and we're going to open up this movie with some early 2000s girl rock and some twee pink opening credits as we see a brush going through some blonde hair. And a sorority girl on a bike rides through definitely UCLA. In the basket on the front is an envelope with a bedazzled word on it, and that word is L. And for some reason, this envelope doesn't get blown away by the wind from the bike going forward. Yeah, you know what I I couldn't get enough of is the casual frat boys who are... I have no idea what they're doing there. They're all all without their shirt for no reason. (laughs) And, And they're just sort of all mobbing on each other like they weren't given proper instructions oh, from the they director. just showed up <laughs> no that was something i saw in the trivia the the guys quote-unquote wrestling at the very beginning just kind of showed up that day <laughs> are you serious oh my god yes that's amazing but yeah this song god this was irritating it's like it's like if no doubt did a song for the disney channel <laughs> 
it's perfect. It's perfect. That is exactly the tone of that song. And by the way, these these uh, frat bros, because she's kind of going down like Greek row, they just catcall her and she is super into it. And by the way, Jules, as somebody who went to an American college and saw some uh, frat boys get up to some weird shit, frat boys just get up to weird shit without clothes to get up to weird shit without clothes. This is true. I was sitting in a friend's room. We were just chatting and this is the middle of the night and all of a sudden we hear chanting outside and their chant went naked mode naked mode and a bunch of bros from the football frat came out that makes so much sense (laughs) and like three to five of them start running around that quad naked while the others are chanting naked mode and all of a sudden the chant changes they go naked mudslide naked mudslide and the naked dudes did a naked mudslide cheering ensued and i guess they went in and got drunk and did definitely heterosexual stuff yeah i was trying to find a segue to be like but it's totally not gay bro (laughs) there was a lot of no homo said probably (laughs) i do have a theory about this frat boys because we do see them later which we'll get cool uh so yeah um so it kind of intercut with this sorority girl on her bike is um l reese witherspoon getting dressed we see her shave her leg she puts on a heart chain did you spot this bedazzled sorority paddle yeah a bedazzled sorority paddle that lets us know that she is l wood president of delta new and she also has a stack of cosmos in her room which tells us that she is terrible at sex (laughs) (laughs) just awful at sexual intercourse (laughs) ladies look i know you're looking for a bunch of dudes to tell you what you should and shouldn't read or do anything for that matter if you're taking sex advice from Cosmopolitan Magazine, you are bad at sex. I have read enough Cosmos and I have read enough of the sex tips to know that you couldn't pleasure, I don't know, a pleasure bot designed to be pleasured, let alone a human male. So just maybe don't do that. Are you sure you don't need another quiz to tell you the best time to give a blowjob? <laughs> Any magazine that tells you that a new way to spice up things in the bedroom is to put the head of the penis under your tongue during a blowjob <laughs> loses credibility. I really hope that's an actual tip that you read in Cosmo. That is an actual tip I read in Cosmo. Okay, why are you reading Cosmo? Because you're curious and you have a girlfriend with a lot of Cosmos and you wonder things. Anyway. She's bad at sex. She has paddles, so she likes to be spanked. These are the things that we're establishing. Yes. And so then we get this weird sequence where this envelope gets passed to somebody in the house, like the girl who was riding with it on the bike. She just hands it off to somebody at the door. Yeah, she's the pre-internet Postmates deliverer. Yes. Yeah, the two things are coming up at this point. This is the beginning of me thinking that this entire movie is an egomaniacal fantasy or fever dream, that the entire world revolves around Elle because everyone seems to fall on their faces for her. Oh, she definitely has protagonist syndrome. Yeah, it definitely sets this up as, one, protagonist syndrome, and two, uh, something that is not to be taken seriously. They are clearly having fun and just being ridiculous with shit. Yeah. They're clearly all on cocaine. Some of them, for sure. I don't think they're manic enough. Far too much smiling. Nah, that's... 
that's a different kind of mania. This is like diet ecstasy. <laughs> diet ex. Yes, I like that. So the sorority sister who's given the envelope takes it out. Uh, it's a card and. She's going around the house, getting everyone to sign it, going through the gym, which is impossibly huge for a sorority house, going into the bathrooms where they're doing male fantasy stuff in there, and also some cheerleaders. So here's the thing. This all means that this envelope that was bedazzled with Elle's name was bedazzled off-site. Where was this envelope bedazzled? What is the fucking manufacturing process of this twee fucking card? Like, what the fuck is going on here? I know I'm obsessing over a weird detail, but this really bothered me. (gasps) I got it. Elle is the president of the sorority and therefore knows everything that happens within the house. And they had to surprise her by taking it outside to do the bedazzling. Sure. Why the fuck not? (laughs) Makes as much sense as literally anything else. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. No, agreed. So eventually gets to Elle's best friends who both kiss the envelope and then slide it under her door. She could be using a paddle. (laughs) You say this like it's an odd thing. (laughs) Not the oddest thing in the movie, but it is one of a collection. So inside her, I legally have to use this term, but her dog, chihuahuas aren't fucking dogs, they're rodents. (laughs) Um, Her dog brings her the envelope. The dog's name is Bruiser, because haha, it's a chihuahua called Bruiser. Did this movie predict uh, or create Paris Hilton? I think they evolved simultaneously. This must have been an LA thing at this point. Okay. Either way, a tragedy. Yes. Yes. A tragedy that continues to this day, where these bug-eyed dogs continue to be bred as an affront to God and man. I love that Nick's tragedy of this situation is the existence of chihuahuas. (laughs) This is a hill I will die on. The chihuahuas are not fucking dogs. They do fuck dogs, though. That's how they propagate. (laughs) A rat fucked a dog. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's true. (laughs) So... She opens the card and it's the entire sorority wishing her luck on what everyone presumes is her boyfriend Warner proposing her that night. Yeah, this is the dumbest fucking card ever. Good luck on your date. What? Yeah. I'm overall anti-card for the most part anyway, but this is just frivolous. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're at a pool party. So her friends, I just call them blonde friend and brunette friend. Their their names are irrelevant. But they both think that Warner, Elle's boyfriend, is going to propose because he just had lunch with his grandmother and she flew out all the way from Newport. So why would she do that? Why would she go out to have lunch with a grandson that she loved if it wasn't that she was bringing him the family ring so he could propose, huh? Yeah, families don't just visit. At least blonde friend and brunette friend, they recognize protagonist power. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. it within this world, literally, what other reason could it be for a grandmother to visit her grandson? <laughs> Clearly, exactly. it's for you to get engaged. <laughs> Duh. And at this point, everyone's purpose in this sorority has been to attend to Elle's needs. And I'm pretty sure it's going to continue that way. It is going to continue that way. Like, seriously, she almost challenges Harry Potter in terms of, like, 
protagonist syndrome. She does have to put in effort now and again. That is why she doesn't quite challenge it. Right, right. Oh, we'll get to that. So they go shopping because, of course, she needs a new outfit if she's going to get proposed to. And at the boutique, the sales clerk is like, look, there's nothing I love more than a dumb blonde with daddy's plastic. And she takes off the sale tag on a dress and tries to sell it to... L at full price. Yeah, and this is where we get the recurring theme of this whole goddamn movie. It's that Elle's actually smart and not ditzy because she knows her fabrics and she knows sewing techniques and uses that to pull one over on the wicked sales lady. I, I do want to clarify something at this point, though. So, so far we have been surrounded by just rich people buying wealthy things and, you know, don't get me wrong, I enjoy some good capitalist porn as much as the next guy. <laughs> it's not the best way to build empathy. Like, a lot of the working women in this are portrayed as trying to take advantage of hell, like in this case. Yeah. You know, the people who've worked hard to achieve whatever they've achieved, and they are not always portrayed in the best light. I have a quick question. What have they achieved? I... I don't know. Exactly. They are beneath us. We don't need to know. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, we see that even though Elle's a ditz, she's not a dummy. And she finds the perfect outfit. This nice, you know, turquoise sequin number. Pin in that because that will not be the dress she goes out in. (laughs) No, it isn't. But I love that while she's getting ready for a date, she turns and like blows a little kiss to her boyfriend's photo, which is clearly the actor's headshot. (laughs) It's just a close-up of him in a white (laughs) t-shirt. I just want to see her turn it over and say, you know, expert in modern dance and uh, (laughs) speak Italian. (laughs) So now we finally get to meet the boyfriend, Warner, and man, his introduction is just tailor-made to make you fucking hate this guy. For starters, he knocks on the door with these huge knockers, which is 100% will throw you back to young Frankenstein. <laughs> You're just three seconds away from hearing someone say, Frau Bruchhurst. And so he comes in. He's wearing sunglasses at night. He's chewing gum. He's wearing a black shirt with a gray suit. Fuck you, asshole. God. <laughs> If only he could have dropped in Ashante. If he could have just Matt Brodied a little bit for us. <laughs> Great Baywatch reference. Oh, and so, yeah, Elle comes down, as I said, in not the outfit she picked out. Because she wanted, was like, no, I don't want to wear pink because I want it to be, you know, to be special. But she comes down in a fucking pink dress. So that was all pointless. And all of the rest of the sorority are lined up like, you know, they're about to go on drill. (laughs) This was exactly the you're not supposed to take this movie seriously. I know. But why don't these women have lives? Uh, They do have lives. And the purpose of their lives is to see to L's every whim and be supportive at all times. And discreetly create off-site stationery. I like how these sorority sisters are lined up in age order. You go from like the youngest, maybe around 18, 19, and then you get to blonde friend and brunette friend, and they're in their early 30s. It's the hierarchy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's already, you know, we've got ageism just sort of sliding in there. We'll get to some very problematic word usage later on. Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, I, I think Van Wilder was in college for less time than these two women. I'm just saying. <laughs> and God, these extras, the sorority sisters who don't get lines, who have to pretend to be invested <laughs> in L kissing water, it is my everything. Just they're trying their little hearts out to look like they give a fuck. And they know they can't. They can't. And we don't blame you extras. You did your best with the material you were given. So now we're at the restaurant and Elle has them toast to us and Warner noticeably doesn't drink after clinking glasses. We get a classic misdirection where he's talking to her. He's like, I got to tell you something. And there's this whole buildup and it's like, oh my God, he's going to propose and Elle gets really excited. This is obviously not the sort of buildup that leads to a proposal though. <laughs> well, it starts and then it gets very obvious that he's about to break up with her. And then he does exactly that. He breaks up with her. Yeah, she totally does not see this coming. She's just in the glow of, I'm going to get proposed to tonight. Yep. And then comes probably my least favorite part of the movie. As mentioned back in Jackass, loudly shrieking is not funny, just annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she gets hysterical and like is making a scene in the restaurant. By the way, when he says, I think we should break up, he is smiling like a goddamn sociopath. It is a very off-putting choice of facial expression. And she thinks that the reason they're breaking up is because her boobs are too big. Now, she's supposed to be smart. <laughs> she should know that that has never caused a breakup in history ever. This is true. But look, if he's going to be a senator, he needs to marry a Jackie and not a Marilyn. Like, there, there's a whole system here. Did you guys also pick up on the attempt to do a Harry Met Sally moment? No. What happens is, is that he says, because she's causing a scene, she says, um, yeah, it, it's the salad. Bad salad. Right. And then right after she storms off, there's a little voice from the outside saying, um, I won't have the salad. So kind of a reverse Harry Met Sally. It's a bad Harry Met Sally attempt. Uh, I was too busy just hating (laughs) Warner here because, I mean, the whole fucking restaurant heard this, (laughs) you know, of her getting upset. Why are you breaking up with me? Is it because of this? Because of that? And then he tries to pass it off as, oh, I had some bad food. It's like, no, you just broke up with her. Just get the damn check and leave. Quit trying to make yourself look good in front of fucking strangers. (laughs) Exactly. Also, we learned that he's going to Harvard Law School. That's that's an important thing that we we learn in this scene. Now we get pouty crying mascara dripping while walking. I think that's a bingo stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily the while walking home part, but yeah, the runny mascara cry. Glycerin tears are an uncredited <laughs> actor in this film. <laughs> For fucking sure. So Warner pulls up in his car, and of course it's a fucking Mercedes, because assholes drive Mercedes and BMWs. And if you happen to drive a BMW or Mercedes and you were offended by that, you should be, because you're an asshole. And no, we're not jealous. You are just objectively terrible people. Like, look at how you drive. Anyways, I'm going to... Anyways, uh, so tries to tell her that he didn't mean for things to turn out like this, but he's got to marry someone serious. You know, his family has expectations. East Coast people are different. And she's like, look, you know, I grew up in fucking Bel Air next to the Aaron's spelling. I'm not white trash. In fact, that's probably more impressive than like, you know, marrying a Vanderbilt. Yeah, my note is you are not relatable, spoiled rich girl. (laughs) But that's right after she says the line, everybody likes me. 
which is the cry of the egomaniac. And I, I, it, it just seems like at this point, this movie was written by someone who thinks the entire world revolves around them. <laughs> this, this is a line that only comes out from someone who has too high a self-esteem. I don't want to attribute that to a characteristic of the writer. They're just writing an egomaniac character. Well, if that's the case, it's too egomaniacal for my taste. Well, no, it's fine to hate the character. <laughs> that's fine. Hate the character, Jules. Don't hate the game. You gotta be relatable. Um, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to. You just gotta be likable. No, no. It's preferred, but it's not an obligation. <laughs> so he's like, you know, look, get get in the car. I'll drive you home. And he's like, no. And he's like, you're going to ruin your shoes. And that convinces her to get in the car Materialism. with him. Materialism. Womp womp. Capitalism rules. <laughs> Capitalism rules. Poor people drool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now Elle is sadly eating chocolate and watching soap operas. So her friends come in and bring her juice, and this moment of consolation is brought to you by Robex Juice, which is a real thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the juice that they bring her is from a real juice company. You can get this in L.A. and presumably other places. And so they're like, okay, you know, forget him. You know, what's the one thing that makes us feel better no matter what? And apparently that thing is Manny Petty's. I went to Anchorman and buy new suits. I mean, it's basically the same thing <laughs> let's go pamper ourselves yeah let's go to the mall um and apparently brunette friend is such a fucking regular that she is fluent in what i presume is vietnamese she clearly learned it so that she could have a conversation with her manicurist without her goddamn annoying friend butting in <laughs> yes it's, it's the beginning of a lot of minorities hidden in the background of this movie it's <laughs> hey for 2001, this counts as diversity. I guess. <laughs> this is this is goddamn progressive, all right? This is, yeah, because she doesn't put her down. She learned her la native language. It's weirdly progressive. It is actually progressive for 2001. Hate to say it. <laughs> Painful. And so Elle reads in a magazine about Warner's brother marrying a Vanderbilt, who's a first-year law student at Yale, and it only now clicks in her head that this is the kind of girl that Warner wants to be with, even though he explicitly said this is the kind of girl he wants to be with two scenes ago. And this gives her <laughs> and this gives Elle an idea. And she decides to bring up going to law school with her parents while she is in a bikini in the pool. And they're weirdly disappointed by this decision. Honey, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you were like Miss. Hawaii? I guess they lived in Hawaii at some point. No, they just handed her the award. They saw a picture of her and was like, oh, Miss Hawaii. I did enjoy the line, you know, I mean, I'm always a sucker for a good lawyer joke, and it's for people who are boring and ugly and serious. Yeah, you hear that, my brother? My actual brother in real life? What are you doing with your life, hmm? Also pay attention to the dad's martini glass. That will be attached to him um for the rest of his life. <laughs> but yeah, I do, have, I do question at this point it's serious and boring, and they don't think it's for her. From what we've seen so far of Elle, she is neither fun nor exciting. <laughs> she has done nothing fun or exciting yet that we have seen. 
And she will continue doing nothing fun and exciting as the rest of this. I mean, she'll tell us about all the fun and exciting stuff she didn't do on camera. But yeah, I I get your point. Well, she'll claim those are fun and exciting, but (laughs) I I, I, seriously, there is nothing adventurous. There is nothing substantial. There's nothing, you know. So now Elle is talking to the college guidance counselor. By the way, this college is C-U-L-A, so not a real place. And guidance counselors kind of gently try to tell her that there's no fucking way you're going to Harvard Law School. You might have a 4.0, but it's in fashion history. (laughs) And she's like, so what are your backups? And Elle's like, I don't need backups. I'm going to Harvard. I'm the protagonist of the movie. So let's, I, you know, God, again, God, I wish I had the confidence of a protagonist. Elle knows nothing about the real world. Nope. Well, the counselor's like, all right, well, to get in, you're going to need, you know, excellent recommendations from your professors. You're going to need a hell of an entrance essay, and you're going to need to get a 175 at least on your LSATs. Which is untrue. (laughs) Really? What LSAT score do you need to get? Uh, much lower. You can get you can get like 170 or so for Harvard. I mean, of course, different law schools will have different levels, but it's about the top 25% or so get 175 or higher. I don't know. Maybe the scoring is different. Kind of like how the SATs used to be out of 1600 and then they- No, I went, I went and double checked. The, the top score oh. is still 180. That is a perfect score. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. That's going to become really relevant really soon. I do want to point out that the stakes so far for this movie are zero. The stakes are she's not going to get married to her soulmate, and she just knows he's the one. Zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should we should have mentioned we should mention that her motivation for going to Harvard Law School is to prove to this asshole Warner that she is marriage material. Yeah, that she is worthy of him. Fuck this movie so hard. <laughs> I, I am slow head shaking so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but at least like this, the, her motivation will change. This will only be a temporary thing, thank God. So again, so the guidance counselor is trying to hit her like, "Hey, look, L, this is basically fucking impossible for you." But L once judged a tidy whitey contest for presumably the nerd frat, so she can handle anything. Clearly qualified. So uh, her gal pals, blonde and brunette friend, find her in a room with a pile of books about the LSATs and like, oh, with L- the LSATs. And one of them's like, my cousin had that kind of implying that her cousin got an STD. She's basically being a walking dumb blonde joke right here. Well, the brunette's also not that bright. She's the one who thought it was an std um so she's like no no i'm i'm going to harvard and they're like oh great vacation road trip huh she's like no i'm going to harvard law school and the blonde the blonde friend who's pretty dumb in this movie has a great question here she's just like why (laughs) (laughs) and it never gets answered never gets answered You already yeah. established the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, like it's not a good answer to the question. No, no, it's not a good reason. <laughs> yeah, because Elle basically says she thinks that once Warner sees her as a serious law student, he'll take her back. And that's when the blonde friend gives Elle her lucky scrunchie to help that helped her pass Spanish. And the brunette's like, no, you passed Spanish because you gave the professor a lap dance. And she implies that she was lucky to have the opportunity to do that? Yeah, like, I luckily gave him a lap dance. So, like, accidentally? (laughs) 
This was the point in the movie where the stupid spoiled whore video playset song from South Park <laughs> played in my head over and over again. It definitely applies to the friends, yes. So cut to LSAT study montage where <laughs> and we're gonna intercut this with L's video essay to Harvard because she's not gonna write one. This video essay. <laughs> OMG. It's amazing. I enjoyed this. We will later learn that she hired a Coppola to help direct this. And so, yeah, she's like, look, I'm the president of my sorority and I know how to command a room and she knows how to get them to vote that they should go back to Charmin instead of generic brand toilet paper. And just the amazing amount of facts and details that her brain is able to retain is astonishing. What kind of facts would those be, John? The most amazing, intricate, and current soap opera plot lines. This is the most boring woman in the entire world! (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't realize that she doesn't look serious while she's in a bikini in a hot tub doing her video essay. Yes, she's doing this video essay in a fucking bikini lying on a pool floaty while getting filmed from top down. She realizes this later because she walks through the school in like, you know, a fashion designed, you know, look how serious I am kind of clothing, you know, which still stands out. She knows this. So why is her video essay in a bikini in a hot tub? Because I'm a blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Now, I love this selection panel and how there's weirdly a debate, and the head of it is Discount John McCain. Yes, Discount John McCain. I I accept your your substitution. Uh, By the way, she got a 179 on her LSATs, uh, as John was mentioning. That would be real. Yeah, we did get the montage, though, of her... You know, doing practice tests and getting it scored and and like 145. And, you know, of course it goes up and up. But yeah, she got a near perfect score. I I did want to bring up that the casual shirtless frat guys just sort of jog past the window. And I don't know. I like to think that they never stopped running and they turned into (laughs) L.A.'s homeless population. But I'm just amazed how you keep getting entranced by these shirtless guys who have no bearing on the movie whatsoever. (laughs) It's just that they randomly appear wherever it's convenient. It's a college. <laughs> it's what frat boys do. It's never convenient. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in the Harvard Law School admissions office. They're finishing up with Elle's video, and you could just hear the boners springing up under the de- the table that they're sitting around. Yeah, John McCain is the only one who doesn't want her to be there. Apparently. It was here where um, where the movie took an odd turn because they rejected her application because her essay was atrocious and she clearly has no applicable skills. It was odd. I didn't see that coming. All right. Sweet. Credits. See ya. <laughs> Episode over. Nope. It's not. <laughs> oh, damn it. Fine. Not how the movie goes. Because, they're yeah, they're basically like all trying to make excuses. Like, look, she got a 4.0 in fashion history. Yeah, but she also has very high LSAT scores. And we're like, okay, cool. But, like, she has her extracurriculars are she made faux fur lined panties to raise for charities. Like, yeah, loves the animals and does charity. Like they're, they all really want her to get in. Made her entrance essay about toilet paper and soap opera plots. Yep. But they're not thinking with their big heads. Let's not kid ourselves here. So discount John McCain is like, all right, fine. Welcome to Harvard. Elwood. Yes. He said not to L because she wasn't there. (laughs) 
I will believe a movie when they ask me to accept space wizards, but when it comes to this being accepted into Harvard <laughs> lore, it was very difficult. Very so difficult. establishing shots now of Elle in her moving van driving into Boston. And yeah, I know Harvard's technically in Cambridge, but what are you going to do about a Harvard nerds? Give me your lunch money. My note here is why the hell doesn't she roll up her windows? Bruce is going to hop out of the car and die. One could only dream. <laughs> <laughs> Why are her and her truck driving through the middle of the quad? Protagonist power. And the way she commands her movers. Oh, God. Just My mind blanks. Yep. Pretty rich people problems. Yep. And so, yeah, she makes it entrance because she's Elwood and she's at Harvard with a bunch of, you know, ugly nerds. And they come around and kind of marvel at malibu barbie arriving yes literally everybody present has to stop what they're doing to watch her uh give her dog some water and she uses bottled water she uses <laughs> bottled water and pours it in a mini kitty pool it's that she then leaves there well obviously some dude is gonna come pick it up for her. yeah of course someone has to someone else has to pick it up exactly <laughs> this is all this money that she spent on this could be spent on i don't know deworming orphans in Somalia or... Why would you, you feed know? orphans ivermectin? <laughs> you are fucking cruel. <laughs> to get rid of their COVID, John. Read a blog. Um, so yeah, Elle shows up to registration wearing pink and she notices that there isn't a social calendar in her welcome packet. The guy's like, social calendar? He's like, yeah, you know, formals, mixers, clam bakes. And this guy just stares at her like, the fuck lady where the fuck do you think you are right oh my now? god all these like law students that are you know involved in this orientation fucking hate their lives <laughs> their souls have been sucked from their bodies they hate everyone and so she asks if warner has checked in yet and he tells her to check in with the cruise director on the lido deck yeah nice little way of saying oh go fuck yourself <laughs> This is the first moment there's been actual conflict and proof that not everyone likes Elle. Oh, there's plenty of people who don't like Elle. She's just unaware of that fact. <laughs> and now we get introduced to some minor characters that will barely matter. You know, they're kind of doing the college orientation thing where you break up into groups and you introduce yourselves. Well, the highlight is David Kidney because he looks like he's done some shit in his basement somewhere. He's the way he hugs his books. But yeah, he, he talks about deworming orphans in Somalia. And the way he says it just <laughs> comes across as... I don't know what really happened in Somalia, but it didn't sound like it was just... Yeah, they, they play him off as socially inept slash, I don't know, maybe some sort of disorder. But yeah, that that's his personality. You get the radical feminist lesbian who went to Berkeley. It doesn't matter. This whole thing does not matter. It's just yeah. another chance for L to be, you know, the out-of-place one. Yeah. Like, D David's around for a bit of the movie. The other people in this group don't even ever fucking show up again. It's a not, it's, it's, it's a pointless moment. Well, Radical Lesbian does. It's an important moment for me because she, Elle is officially irredeemable after she says that her and Bruiser are both Gemini vegetarians. I'm amazed it took this long for her to reach that point for you, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> it was tricky, but there was a glimmer of hope. But yeah, my issues with star signs aside, a dog is not a vegetarian. It can be. You are killing that dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it won't live long, but it, it can be. Yep. Yeah, so she's killing her dog. 
slowly but surely. Killing dogs softly with veggies. Killing dogs slowly with veggies. They call this, you know, the save the cat moment. This is literally the killing the dog moment. (laughs) Yeah, like the opposite. This is what you have the bad guy do. And so she's getting ready for her first class, and the look she goes for to be taken super seriously at this first class is um, Harry Potter Hugh Hefner. <laughs> like a smoking jacket with glasses. Like, that's, that's the look. And not even Br- Bruiser is, like, embarrassed by this. He puts his head under the blankets. Oh. <sighs> So Elle gets some looks on her way to class in her Harry Potter Hugh Hefner outfit, and she actually sees Warner looking at a pinup board and walks past him, kind of pretending to not know he's there. And he, he stops her and being like, hey, Elle, what are you what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I go here. She's like, you're you're visiting here. She's like, no, I go to Harvard Law School. And he just like cannot believe that she got into Harvard Law School. Join the club, Warner. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Warner is the same expression that <laughs> the producers had when they saw this <laughs> and so tells him to meet her at the benches after class and which benches because i imagine harvard has a bunch of them no no the benches there's only one set of benches at harvard <laughs> yes so now she's in a class taught by i have her down as Law Professor McGonagall. More or less, yeah. Very much it's, so. It's uh, Jim Carrey's mom in The Truman Show. And it is also Charlie Sheen's mom in Two and a Half Men. If ah. And everyone in this class has a super serious IBM ThinkPad, but she has a cutesy heart-shaped notebook, so she continues to be out of place. Mm-hmm. But she also has her wonderful little pen with a fun feather on the end. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if you're not accessorizing everything, like, what the fuck are you doing with your Being life? Being me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, David Kidney channels John from from school was my next <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Professor, she gives a quote. She says, the law is reason free from passion. Who said that? Oh, oh, me, 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 <laughs> Professor. Yes, <you. laughs> so, socially inept guy, go for it. Uh, Aristotle. I think he got to it a little faster than that, but we you know we got there eventually. And she's like, "Would you stake your life on it? What about his life?" And when she says, "What about his life?" she smacks her pencil on the head of the only black guy in this class. She commits. That was my note too. She just threatens to kill the only black kid in this class. <laughs> David was confident enough of his answer to stake his own life on it, but I don't think it was the fact that it was someone else's life. He just didn't want to come across as willing to kill the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> but the professor was willing to commit a casual hate crime to make a point, so that's, that happened. <laughs> uh, I don't think for the professor oh, it was... Man. Like, racially motivated. So I wouldn't call it hate crime. You still shouldn't hit your students on the head with a fucking pencil in law school. That's, that is the, I'm going to make that stand. I like that it's specifically law school. Which schools is it acceptable to hit your students with pencils? Uh, apparently my high school. Uh, one of the teachers smacked me upside the head because I was pretending to inject myself with a syringe in a biology practical exam. A syringe without a needle, but he decided that me just having a little fantasy life in the corner warranted getting smacked upside the head, so. My brother had a teacher that would throw, like, pens and erasers and stuff at the students. Ah, uh, child abuse. Good times. Anyways, 
she, the point she made, you know, she says, you know, look, uh, there's a lot of room for interpretation in the law, but there's no room for self-doubt. And by the way, David Kidney, you got that right. So, you know, maybe you'll have a little more confidence in yourself. And supposedly they were supposed to have read something for this class, uh, but L didn't know about it. Like almost 50 pages? <laughs> Is that how law school works? <laughs> Apparently. You ought to do a shitload of reading in law school. Oh, I know there's a shitload of reading, but like having a reading assignment that you're supposed to be aware of before your very first class, that seems extreme. I mean, I don't know anything as far as law school is concerned, but yeah, I I knew people who were going into, you know, different programs and such, and they had work that needed to be completed before class actually started. Yeah. When you're going into those high level, you know elite sort of programs yeah but l didn't know and she gets asked a question and she didn't get the assignment so she obviously couldn't answer it and so law professor mcgonagall asks selma blair whether it would be appropriate for her to kick l out because she hadn't read the assignment and selma blair because she's kind of a bitch at this point in the movie says yeah so l gets kicked out is this because um she knows about the relationship thing so she can force some tension Entirely possible, yeah. You need a rival. I'm going to say no. And I mean, it, yeah, it's the movie is very much ham-fistedly creating a rival here. Um, I mean, it's just going to get more ham-fisted with the rivalry very soon. Um, I got to say, I think I'm on Selma Blair's side here, though. Me too. I mean, this this is a highly competitive world. This is like one of the best of the best for you know law schools in the country. If you're not going to be there, if you're not going to be prepared to do the work, get the fuck out. Damn, John laying down the law. Ooh, <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so outside, El Huffley sits down at the benches, and uh, Luke Wilson just happens to be sitting nearby. Luke Wilsoning. <laughs> Luke Wilson does tend to Luke Wilson in most of his movies, but, you know, it works in this one, I think. Yeah, yeah. And because she has the power of protagonist, her loud grunt causes him to instantly come to a rescue. Yeah, he's like, you know, oh, hey, uh, what happened? What's wrong there? And she tells him what happened in the class, and he's like, ah, you got Stromwell. And proceeds to give her advice on how to handle all the professors in all the classes she's going to have. Uh, I like the way this plays out, though, because, I mean, yeah, a bit of it's, oh, this person's really strict, this person you can speak your mind to, blah, blah, blah. but then there's one where he's like, oh, sit in the back of the room because he kind of spits a lot when he gets going on a rant so you know a little bit funny just nice tips it's good to brighten her day yeah and i have a theory about luke wilson's character in this movie he is this movie's magical white man (laughs) (laughs) because he literally all his entire purpose is to help and bolster and prop up the protagonist He has basically no inner life of his own. He is is the movie's magical white man. So yeah, she asks him if he's a third year. And before he can answer, Warner shows up. And she's very excited to see him. He's like, hey, what did you do over the summer? And it turns out he got hitched to Selma Blair. Engaged. Engaged, yeah. So clearly they're both morons. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, clearly that they're both after this guy. Uh, Yeah, he spins this tale of how they used to know each other and just randomly bumped into each other over the summer. At his grandma's birthday party, no less. Yeah, I don't buy that shit. Also, the ring makes a shing noise, just like, so it's clearly one of the leprechaun's gold. (laughs) Um, I believe you're referring to the commonly heard sound of shininess. (laughs) Sometimes amazingly white teeth will have this sound as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is a big fuck off ring that she definitely flaunts. 
And Warner calls Selma Blair Pooh Bear, but that's what he used to call Elle. Yeah, so he just calls everyone Pooh Bear? Anyone he dates, he calls Pooh Bear, apparently. I mean, I'm all up for having like nicknames and pet names and stuff, but you don't transfer them over from one person to another. Uh, Considering how many relationships people call each other babe, like... That's a more common one. Pooh Bear sounds much more specific. That's true. Oh, Pooh Bear, please. Uh, apparently L is famous at their country club because apparently Warner's just been blabbing about this dumb blonde he used to date and stunned by the news L leaves and flustered she starts driving in her Porsche until she finds a beauty salon and I'm 95% sure this is in Burbank I'm pretty sure this is Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank <laughs> no I'm amazed that they had the budget to show the aftermath of the mayhem she causes by pulling a spontaneous U-turn in the middle of the road. <laughs> she causes a fucking car crash. But all of the crashing and screeching of tires happens off screen. <laughs> and then when the yep. camera shifts to a different angle, you just see these cars parked in random angles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very impressive that they showed that considering this movie only had an $18 million budget. Well, that's why they showed the cars in position, but could not, yeah, not actually they couldn't crashing. have the stunt drivers actually pull that off. Right. So through some glycerin tears, Elle comes in and sits down in front of Jennifer Coolidge's mani- manicure station. And she's like, she came to Harvard for nothing because Warner's already engaged. The fuck? You're at Harvard Law School. There are so many reasons to be there. Yes, but as previously established, this is the reason that she is there. It's a terrible reason. But Very bad reason. But it is her reason. Yeah, my notes is whiny spoiled brat speech is whiny and spoiled. It's just so terrible because he's the one. There's no such thing as the one. Well, except Keanu Reeves, yeah. but that's a whole other matter. <laughs> And it turns out that Jennifer Coolidge also has her own problems. Her boyfriend dumped her after eight years and kept the trailer and the dog, which is, you know, kind of like your the love of your life who doesn't give a fuck about you uh, and getting engaged to someone else. These are definitely comparable problems, but they're going to prioritize L's. I feel like Jennifer Coolidge came out on top in that situation, to be honest. No, but that's the thing. But she but she was I know she really wants the, the dog. But seriously. The way she describes the relationship and that she was able to get out of it, I I count that as a win. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to see that story. Where's Paulette's story? That was the more engaging story out of everything we've seen thus far. That was the prequel we deserved and did not get. I'd rather just watch something else. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put more Baywatch on instead of this. <laughs> And so the UPS guy walks in, and I have the UPS guy down as a hot Ty Burrell. Okay. And clearly Jennifer Coolidge has a lady boner for him. It's them shorts, man. Yeah, he's got the short shorts. He's got the rugged good looks. He's, you know, she's into that, but she's just so nervous around him that she spills her, I guess, I don't know how mani- manicures work, but there's like a water finger bath thing that she knocks over. Yep. And she her line here is, could I be any more goddamn spastic? You're just clumsy. That's that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. Also not how we refer to that condition anymore, lady. Or should have referred to it then. Oh, line about what does this girl have? Three tits, you know, just got ruined. And, and that's the thing is that because that line just... It just made me wish I was watching Total Recall instead. Exactly, right? Yeah, it, it made me fantasize about Total Recall, which helped. 
Yeah, because they're starting to talk about Selma Blair. Like, what does she have that you don't have three tits? And she makes fun of her grooming, but she's like, she's not entirely unfortunate looking, conceding that Selma Blair isn't ugly. And she's not so good that you picked up on that L. Yep, but now we have more confirmation of not just protagonists, but pretty people are better. Because if you can't find happiness, what hope is there for the rest of us? I hate that line. Fuck this movie. The world doesn't revolve around pretty, wealthy people. It's so irritating. Don't you know that everybody has the same standards of beauty and compatibility? And only the best of us deserve happiness? Best of us in aesthetic sense, of course, I mean. If you've got looks and brains, you deserve to have things. This movie! (laughs) Yep. So instead of telling Elle to maybe get a stronger sense of self and to not define her life in relation (laughs) to some jackass dude, uh, tells her to go and steal him back. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that guy who's an asshole who dumped you for purely selfish reasons, you deserve him. So go wreck the (laughs) relationship that he's now starting to try and make, which will undoubtedly be horrible because he's a piece of shit anyway. Right after she tells the story about how her husband cheated on her, you know, not even a hint of authenticity here either. Nope. So now we are in Professor Victor Garber's class, uh, Victor Garber of Alias and Titanic fame. And he tells the class that they're not just competing for grades, but an internship at his law firm where they will be working on actual cases. And asks Elle if she would prefer a client that has two, between two Latin thingies, law stuff. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Uh, But she doesn't know either, which is the point here. But Selma Blair does and kind of rubs it in Elle's face by putting her arm her hand on um, Warner's shoulder, who's sitting next to her and kind of flashing the ring at L behind her. And so L's like, you know what? I'd actually take the hard one because I'm not afraid of a challenge. And it is on, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I have. Oh, it's already been brought. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Elle brought it in, set it down on the table, and opened it up already. So Elle tries to get Warder's attention now by studying in a skimpy outfit near the field where he and some dudes are playing touch football. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a thing that happened. Cool. That is a thing that happened in this movie. And so Elle comes to the library and tries to join Warner and Selma Blair's study group, but they're all mean to her and tell her that it's full. But she brought muffins. Why would they not want to let her in when she brought muffins? Probably because Vivian has deciphered that she's trying to steal her boyfriend. And turns out it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. And this is one of the few times we're going to see the other two dudes from her orientation intro group. (laughs) They will have no more lines for the rest of the movie, but they will continue to be useless characters, but in frame. And Warner, this is like the one time Warner sort of comes across as like human and likable because he's like, hey, come on, like, let's let's just let her in. Like, and he doesn't seem like he has ulterior motives. He like he actually pities her and doesn't want her to be like excluded. Nope. We already split up the outline. We all have our, you know, directed jobs. Yeah. So she leaves the library and then the lesbian uh, makes fun of her on the way out. It's like, well, maybe, you know, you should like join a sorority or something. And I was like, hey, if you had rushed, I would have at least been nice to you. And. The lesbian like comes back with a very good point saying, hey, yeah, you probably would have been nice to me, but then 
you know, kicked me out and then called me a slur for a lesbian. I'm not going to say the word uh, behind my back. And yeah, good point. Like this movie started to have fun with like this whole role reversal thing. But let's be honest. But then Elle's like, no, I totally don't even use that word. Vivian probably said that. What? Like that? Yeah, I don't know what that burn was. It didn't land well. So apparently th- these are all Vivian's minions who formed their opinions about Elle because Vivian said so? That's what this is implying, that no one else gets the opportunity to think for themselves. You know, all these people who made it into Harvard Law. <laughs> but I think this, is, this drives home the point that, like, hey, L is comes from the segment of society that would be doing shitty, exclusionary, petty things. But she's not like that. Mm-hmm. But she's not like she's that. She's yeah. not. Yeah. Bullshit, my girl. Anyways. <laughs> In the dorms, because apparently law school has dorms, calls her friends for support back in California, but it turns out that blonde friend is getting married. And Elle doesn't even say congratulations. Doesn't say congratulations. She doesn't do anything nice or kind for her friends, as far as we've seen. No, but her friends are also kind of shits in this moment because she tries to, like, Elle tries to start talking about her problems. (laughs) Well, okay, this is was one of many moments because Elle tries to talk about what she's going through and the issues she's facing at school. And Brunette cuts her off to tell her that she got bangs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone's just horrible people. It's no one wants to hear what's going on in anyone else's life. I'm getting married. Fuck you. Don't care. Listen to my problems. Fuck your problems. I got a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bangs. And I look good in them. I didn't think I was going to look good at bangs, but I rock them. (laughs) So they tell her to get that rock, like break up Warner and and his fiance. So outside, Elle hears somebody inviting people to a party and is disappointed to find out that that person is Selma Blair. But Selma Blair's like, yeah, you know having a party but it's a costume party you wouldn't want to go to a costume party would you but she would want to go to a costume party so hey here's the address see you there i was really hoping it would be the wrong address (laughs) i mean you could clearly see that it was the setup for it's not a costume party and we're just gonna make this happen so that she looks foolish but i i would have loved the extra step to like send her to a random house. But then you don't get to see her make a fool of herself. We would because she's the protagonist. (laughs) We would, but I think for Selma Blair, like if I'm looking at it from her character's perspective, she wants to see Elle be made a fool of in front of everybody else. This is why you send her to a house just like four doors down. Ah. And then then like you could have some people keeping watch and then everyone could watch her make a fool of herself john i will not be going to any parties that you send out invitations for (laughs) you're in luck i don't have people over (laughs) but anyway no they give her the right address to the party and she shows up as a playboy bunny Mm-hmm. Yep, a pink Playboy bunny, not a costume party, and Selma Blair like literally spits out her drink when she sees Elle. Good spit take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great spit good. take. Good job, Selma Blair. Gives her a very snarky compliment on her costume. Elle's like, thanks, I like your outfit too, but when I dress up like a frigid bitch, I try to not look so constipated. Well, burn. Elle's got some burns. There's a brief moment uh, with the aforementioned lesbian feminist um basically she's a horrible person on twitter yes she is because you hear her bitching about the word semester because it kind of starts like semen so it's a representation of oppressive masculinity and why isn't it called an ovester ovester yes she's petitioning to have it changed to ovester jesus christ 
Way to misunderstand the meaning of a goddamn word. Yeah, that's not how Latin works. <laughs> and do what the sad thing about this moment is. Based on true events, this was something that the author of the book experienced at Stanford Law School Th- this in the early 90s. She's going on? This rant about Ovester, like somebody actually at Stanford in the early 90s. Oh my fucking god hey far lefties do you know why like people don't take you fucking seriously because you do stupid <laughs> shit like this man i i was amazed at it like how you know instantly hateable it made the character and it was a brilliant moment but now that i learned that it's real i'm just saddened <laughs> yeah be sad i guess this is what we're doing we're killing nostalgia just piece by piece like this <laughs> I'm sorry, did you not get the mission statement when we started the podcast? Yeah, I know. It's just when it happens, it's just like, wow. <laughs> I put it in a bedazzled envelope and everything. Wait, I'm sorry, what, what sense of nostalgia do you have for this movie? None, but I just love the fact that even the small little jokes here and there, you know, just even that gets murdered. It's a nice touch. Anyways, moving on, uh, the feminist lesbian leaves, and now it's just Warner and L. Warner starts getting really handsy with Elle as he's talking to her. He's like touching her arm, touching her waist. I'm like, whoa, dude, your fiance is like in the next fucking room, my dude. Doesn't mean you can't explore the 90s erogenous. (laughs) (laughs) He's about two years too late for that. But hey, better late than never, I guess. That's what a lot of my girlfriends say to me. And so she says that, hey, she's got her sights set on the Victor Gerber internship. And uh, despite the fact that she was smart enough to get into Harvard Law School and got like a 179 or under LSATs, Warner tries to put her down and tell her that she's not smart enough to get the internship. And it finally clicks in her fucking head that she's never going to be good enough for him. So she storms out and she is going to take this law school shit seriously now. How do we know that she's going to take law school seriously? She's going to get in line at the bookstore in her bunny outfit to buy a laptop. Mm-hmm. Shit's getting real. Yep. And uh, Luke Wilson just happens to be in the bookstore standing behind her. And uh, she's like, don't ask. And he's like, wasn't gonna. <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck. I love that. <laughs> wasn't gonna. I don't care. <laughs> You are not important to me. We met at the benches one time. I don't even know your name. Why the fuck would I care? Because he's the magical white man of the movie. That's why. He just doesn't know it yet. He just doesn't. Do the magical X characters ever know that they are? And so, yeah, we're kind of like stuck in this montage. She walks past the mean study group with books and they remark that she's carrying books in law school who does such a thing in a library <laughs> well no this was outside the library now she's the library. in the library where socially inept guy helps her get a book down from a top shelf and he's eating a sandwich and i am pretty fucking sure you're not allowed to eat in libraries L is starting to get questions right in law professor McGonagall's class, and she is studying everywhere. She's studying on the exercise machine in the salon everywhere she will study. Cut to L taking Jennifer Coolidge to get her dog back. Hey, once again, it's filler, the movie. Yes, this subplot. <laughs> My note here is Elle finally does something nice for a friend for the first time in this entire movie. It is true. She does do something nice for a friend for the first time in this entire movie. Except all this scene actually does is establish that she studied her vocab words. <laughs> did she, though? <laughs> she has trouble remembering them and how to use them, but she did learn them. 
she did remember them. I don't think she uses them properly. So basically, Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> knocks on the trailer door. The boyfriend's an asshole and a bully, and Jennifer Coolidge can't get up the the courage to confront him. And that is when Elle comes in and pretends to be her lawyer and throws legalese at him to confuse him. The the vocab words that she has been learning at law school. And I am pretty sure that impersonating a lawyer is illegal. I think she's committing a crime here potentially. I agree. I had this is where the movie took a sharp turn. <laughs> where the boyfriend filed a lawsuit and got L kicked out of law school for pretending to be a lawyer. Uh, so apparently due to habeas corpus, uh, he and Jennifer Coolidge had a common law marriage. Uh, habeas corpus has nothing to do with property law. It's got to do with rights and unlawful detention. So um, Harvard Law student, everyone. And basically bullshitting that Jennifer Coolidge has the right to the dog. And so finally, Jennifer Coolidge gets her courage and she's like, I'm taking the dog, dumbass. And this works. So if I say Latin words, will that confuse you enough into doing what I tell you? I mean, according to this movie, yeah. Like if habeas corpus writ large. Carpe diem, grab me a sandwich. I mean, give me a couple minutes like you don't live near me, but uh, yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to throw fake Latin at that sandwich and make it explode like Seamus. <laughs> Harry Potter coming back. Amazing. Um, Yeah, this works. Uh, Get Jennifer Coolidge's dog back and subplot complete. No, no, we got a pointless time jump scene. Well, well, yeah, but side quest (laughs) complete. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you have the time jump because we got to get back to the hub, get our new quest giver. NPC gives you 200 gold on your way. So now we're back in Victor Garber's class. and uh, Oh, is this the sperm donor seminar? Yes, John. We are at long last oh at the sperm God, donor bit. This fucking thing. I remember I kind of liked this when I first saw it in the movie. This, this scene is great. This is so bizarre. I love it. Guys, like, feel free to chip it with the details because they're a little fuzzy to me. But basically, they're talking about a stalking lawsuit against a sperm donor who's an habitual sperm donor. And he's trying to get visitation to see one of his kids. And Warner's arguing that he should get visitation because of lawyer reasons. Elle puts her hand up as basically like, yeah, but, you know, why this sperm like you know why isn't he following his you know hunting down his old one night stands to make sure they didn't get pregnant to you know visit those kids like it's a pretty bullshit argument i must say mm-hmm. i mean it's it's a question worth asking uh, is there a reason you're you know you care about this kid more than potentially the others but it shouldn't preclude you <laughs> Now, now, being a creepy ass stalker, that should be able to stop you from having visitation rights. Yeah, you would think so. Simply the fact that you brought the child into the world, you know, okay. But if you're being an ass and a stalker about it, yeah, probably not. Yeah, basically her argument is he should be stalking all the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and basically every time he masturbated would be considered reckless abandonment. Yeah. Hey guys, can we take a break? I need to go recklessly abandon something. <laughs> I'm recklessly abandoning right now. What do you need to take a break for? <laughs> Your smiling faces are all I need. <laughs> To recklessly abandon some children. (laughs) So glad you can't see our video, oh dear listener. (laughs) Millennial Rewind goes to OnlyFans to rack up their... (laughs) Rack up the views. It's not all I'm racking up. (laughs) 
So, but her argument impresses Victor Gerber. Victor Garber, not Victor Gerber. He's not the Gerber baby. So after class, Victor Garber asks Elle if she's going to apply for his his internship. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, you should. You got a resume on you? And she whips out her resume. And as we were talking about in the intro, it is pink and scented to make it stand out. That was kind of fun. It is kind of fun. And based on his behavior later, there is some asshole who would claim that this is her asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That makes me very sad. The fact that I scented and perfumed this paper for you. That I just happened to have on me. Yeah. By the way. That's the fact that she was casually talking about masturbation, too. <laughs> I don't like what they do with Victor Garber's character. I don't like a lot of this. <laughs> no, he's nice and he's supportive at the beginning. Oh, yeah. For most of the movie, he's he is really good. And then just assholery happens. Yeah, because if they need him to be an asshole in Act 3 because at some point they don't really have an antagonist. Anyways, we'll get there. Yeah. She leaves and then Luke Wilson's there because Luke Wilson, I guess, helps him and does research for him. And he he asks Luke Wilson, hey, do you think she just woke up one morning and said, I think I'll go to law school? Because <laughs> that is what happened. Victor Garber watched the movie. <laughs> he read the script. As a note for screenwriters, calling out how shitty the premise is, is does not make your premise any more credible. No, no, it does not. And both Luke Wilson and Victor Garber... Uh, sniff the resume <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well no no victor garber tells him to sniff it i mean she encourages it she said smell it it gives it a little something so <laughs> so apparently l doesn't go home for christmas because she and jennifer coolidge spend a snowy night in the salon with christmas decorations yeah pointless <laughs> scene it's just to show the passage of time and to show that l can drink a pbr too <laughs> she's white trash and she's in trouble they are both white trash and in trouble. <laughs> so cut to all the snow being gone. And as somebody who went to fucking school in New England, I promise you, I promise you, dear listener, the snow has not cleared up by the spring semester. It gets fucking pitch black at 3 p.m. There's six feet of snow and you are contemplating suicide from seasonal depressive disorder. I f- uh, it sounds lovely. <laughs> There are so many reasons I live in Southern California. Weather on the East Coast is a big fucking part of it. And so apparently, but we're back at school during the bright, shining New England spring. And Victor (laughs) Garber's law firm is apparently doing a murder case. And there's so much work that they're even taking on first year interns to help out. And I immediately reject the premise. Yeah, this sounds like utter bullshit. And Even if they were, I don't see the first-year interns working on the high-profile case that's being led by one of the senior partners of the goddamn firm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other than, like, doing (laughs) filing, (laughs) absolutely they are not doing shit. Right. And Vivian's role of fetching coffee. Yeah. She does not get sent out to get coffee. It's stand up from the table and go five feet to the wall of the room to pour coffee. The fact is, this internship is only devoted to characters significant to this movie's plot. Yeah, this is true, because amazingly, Elle, Vivian, Warner, and super socially awkward, what's his name? Uh, no, it's actually Angry Lesbian. Yeah, David Kidney doesn't arrive until later. A response to her name being on the list is her going right up to... 
Warner and Vivian and shouting, me! <laughs> Which, of course, you know, that's that's not a narcissistic thing to do, right? No, no. It's called subtext and subtle character motivation. <laughs> <laughs> and she rubs it in Warner's face. She goes right up to him and says, hey, Warner, you remember those four wonderful hours we spent in the hot tub after Windsor Formal? This is so much better. Oh, yeah, because you remember how her motivation now was that she's over him and he doesn't matter anymore and she's just going to be her best self? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's the point of being all that if you're not rubbing it in your ex's face? <laughs> Like, what the fuck is even the point? But yeah, Elle's got some sick burns. And so while we cool down from that burn, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will break down the absolute collapse of this narrative. (laughs) Don't go away. Hey guys, it's it's one fucking a.m. What what are you doing at my house, Jules? I am here for the dog. My dog, for fuck's sake! You try some harebrained scheme to take her every other week, and I'm actually getting pretty sick of it. Okay, yeah. Well, you might be getting sick of it, but this time I brought in the big guns. Meet my lawyer, John Esquire. Pleasure to meet you, sir. And I'm gonna have to ask you not to speak to my client directly. Hi, John. Yes, I know you already, um, and you're definitely not a lawyer. I am very qualified having seen every Legally Blonde movie twice and scoring quite high on a BuzzFeed quiz. Thank you very much. You do know it's illegal to impersonate a lawyer, right? Listen, John here is the best legal representation a Dave's Hot Chicken number two meal can buy. Mr. Jules, did Mr. Nick inform Apophis heretofore dog sit the canine in question at this very domicile? You're using that Latin phrase wrong, dude, but I guess... Told you, told you, I dog sat his dog right here. You understand, Mr. Jules, that this act of pooch supervision did ipso facto create certorari between you and my client, thereby relinquishing custody of said pooch unto his person. There's literally no case for the Supreme Court to review, so no the fuck it didn't. Sir, if you do not transfer possession and full custody rights of Trixie by the date on this absolutely very legal document, we will be forced to habeas corpus you, and you'll be completely pro bone owed. Oh, shit, you got lawyered, motherfucker. <laughs> Boom! Okay, so which one of you wrote this with a crayon on a napkin that I'm assuming is stained with hot chicken sandwich hot sauce? Ain't no rule says I have to answer that question. Okay, I've had enough of this. Get out of here or I'll call my actual lawyer. Okay, I told you. You should have printed it on pink paper and sprayed it with perfume like Elle did. This is your fault. My fault? You have any idea how fucking expensive perfume is? Okay, well, if you get the sample size, it's a lot cheaper. Dude, you're pinning this shit on me? I had to learn Latin, motherfucker. Oh, piss. (laughs) I had to buy you a chicken sandwich. And we're back. So we're at the law firm. Uh, Selma Blair and Elle give each other some begrudging respect. Like, you look good. I mean, yeah, you look good, too. And it's actually kind of a genuine compliment. They're not being snide. And so they're talking. uh, They're in the room with the partners and Victor Garber. And they're talking about the murder case. And apparently it's some lady married to a rich older dude who had her own exercise line. And Elle's hearing this and she's like, oh, shit, I know who this. This is Ali Larder. We'll learn it's (laughs) Ali Larder in the next scene. 
He's like, yeah, it's uh, Allie Larder. How did you know? Oh, yeah, she was a Delta Nu four years ahead of me. I took one of her classes, you know, super amazing. And they're like, okay, cool. Turns out the husband's body was found by the older husband's daughter and the pool boy. Victor Garber is pretty sure she's guilty, even though she is the client. Uh, This will be a point of contention throughout the rest of the film. And now we finally learn who the fuck Luke Wilson is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he works for the firm. He's not a third year law student. In fact, he was top three in his class at Harvard and used to edit the Harvard Law Review. Harvard, 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 Harvard. And Elle is pretty sure she's innocent. And this line I do remember from watching the movie back in the day she says exercise gives you endorphins endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't shoot their husbands <laughs> it's a great line and I don't everyone just has say. the appropriate response of if you could face palm with just an expression <laughs> yes <laughs> yes 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 it is implied face palm <laughs> i don't give a fuck i love that line Speaking of Allie Larder, we're now in jail with her, and she's telling the legal team she didn't do it. Victor Garber's kind of playing a, hey, like, given the circumstances of, like, how you were discovered and the age difference between you and your ex-husband, well, ex because he's dead, this is not really going to look good for a jury at a jury. So, like, do you have an alibi? And she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you. That is just dumb. Yes. I mean, it's dumb now, and when we learn what the actual reason is, it gets dumber. And she says, look, if you put me on the stand, I will lie about where I was. She will commit perjury rather than give the alibi that would get her off this fucking case. Incredible credibility. I know. Don't you just want her to succeed? (laughs) Doesn't this just endear you to the character? (laughs) I'm really invested in the success of her case. Uh, Again, they don't have to be likable and relatable. Well, they got really nothing to discuss anymore with the legal team, so the legal team leaves. But on the way out, uh, Elle can't help but gush, and Ellie Lutter remembers Elle from the fucking class she took, and I'm going to call yeah, bullshit what on the this. fuck? <laughs> of all the classes you've taught in all the fucking places around the country, you remember this one generic blonde girl out of all of them. Well, I mean, if you're calling bullshit on that, I might as well call bullshit on the fact that she says she has a brain just because she could do an impressive high kick. Yes, she's Delta new. She took her class and out of her entire fucking Harvard trained legal team, at least the first year fucking law student has a brain. (laughs) It's so nice to be a protagonist. (sighs) So fucking nice. Guys, we got to get in on that protagonist racket. What the fuck are we doing with our lives? (laughs) I'm being an antagonist. Thank you very much. It's a pretty sweet gig. I got a Doom Fortress and everything. I, I'm being a magical white guy. I'm just... <laughs> Jules is our lifelong support character, yes. <laughs> Nick, thanks for playing scenery. Appreciate you. <laughs> Someone's got to be the tree. So at the salon, Elle tells Jennifer Coolidge that nobody believes Allie Larder and that Victor Garber thinks she's guilty. And that is when Jennifer Coolidge says a line that you cannot say on television or movies today. Oh, I missed it. What is that? She says that's because men are big, fat, retort pouches. (laughs) You do realize we bleep this shit, right? You're going to bleep retort pouches? That's uh... Yes, both times that you say it. <laughs> so uh, Hot Ty Burrell UPS guy comes in and he's got a, a package for Jennifer Coolidge. L, make sure that we all get the, the reference. Yep, yep, got it. Thanks. 
Thanks, Al. Uh, and it's also kind of clear that Hot Ty Burrell is into Jennifer Coolidge. He wouldn't mind her saying something to him. Mm. But Jennifer Coolidge can't manage to say anything, so Elle has to sign for the package, and Hot Ty Burrell leaves. And Elle kind of chastises her for not making a move. She's like, why didn't you offer him a cold beverage or a neck massage? And look, I tried this and was immediately kicked out of Wendy, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Um, so now we get the infamous bend and snap sequence. Jesus Christ. So this is a technique for attracting a man that Elle was taught by her mom in junior high. Parenting. <laughs> because getting a man's attention is all that matters in life. That's right. Now, the bend is... Everyone knows this. It's the, oops, I dropped something and let me kind of turn and stick my ass out as I go down to pick it up. How is the snap part supposed to be attractive? Because what you do is violently stand up straight with T-Rex arms? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are, are your wrists supposed to be pushing your boobs up? What is this? I don't know, but it turns into a fucking thing. Like she gets. Yes, Jennifer it Co turns into a goddamn class involving the entire spa. And then some random guy. I don't know if he's supposed to be the owner or manager walks out. And he's like, oh, you're doing the bend and snap. Gets them every time. Oh, you mean gay Michael Bay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's the thing. Gay Michael Bay just appears to tell them how awesome the bend and snap is. That's his entire presence in this movie. Right, but this is a fucking montage. He's getting them all oh, up. Yeah. It's supposed to be like this weird moment of empowerment because apparently only Elle knows how to attract men with the stick my ass out technique. It's like they tried to have a musical number. That's <laughs> true. They're trying to have a music video break out in the middle of this movie. <laughs> there is that one woman who just starts going fucking crazy and, and like just flail dancing. <laughs> like I've seen this lesbian porn. It is. It's hot. I've directed this one. <laughs> I've abandoned some kids to this. <laughs> Amazing. Anyways, so back at the law firm, Elle insists that Allie Lauder, Lauder, no, 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 that Allie Larter couldn't have killed her husband. And they're like, well, look, nobody else around her had a motive because, you know, they're all loaded anyway, so there's no reason to kill him. So unless you can give us another person we could point to, that doesn't mean anything. And this is where Victor Garber starts ordering Selma Blair around, <laughs> tells her to, because they've got Chinese takeout, tells her to go get him some plum sauce. And he's like, look, unless, yeah, basically, unless you can get me an alibi, L got nothing. Mm-hmm. So Elle goes to visit Allie Larder in jail with a basket of beauty products that the guards definitely would not let her fucking take back to her Exactly. Oh I mean, how many people could she hang with that throw <laughs> blanket that she brings with? Well, clearly this is the Eagleton jail where they have a gift shop with scones. <laughs> <laughs> And she refers to Cosmo, which she has brought in this gift basket as well, as the Bible. Oof. 
there's probably better sex advice in the actual Bible <laughs> than in fucking Cosmo. <laughs> oh, the Bible has amazing sex and violence. I mean, if you want just murder porn, man, Old Testament is where it's at. Yeah, I will take that over any fucking sex things in Cosmo. Anyways, Allie Larder doesn't want to give Elle the alibi because it's so shameful. It's fucking stupid. Oh my God, this is stupid. The lesson is always stay on brand. <laughs> Even if it will get you wrongly incarcerated, always stay on brand. Because even though her workout tips and classes have helped so many people lose weight, including Elle, she was getting liposuction at the time. Bum, bum, bum. The most shameful secret that she decides to yell in front of absolutely everyone who's sitting behind her. <laughs> yeah, everyone in that jail knows she got liposuction now. Yeah, instead of, you know, confiding to her attorney who is, you know, legally required to not tell people this <laughs> or sorry legally prohibited from telling anybody just what the fuck but then she goes on to say she'd rather go to jail for murder than lose her reputation bull fucking shit not only <laughs> is she letting a murderer free mm -hmm. but she's actually going to have a life sentence as opposed to telling people she had liposuction. There, there is absolutely no balance here. Yeah, it's dumb as fuck. I like the notion that this actually happened, and then later the truth came out about the case, and then she got sent back to jail for perjury, because she already admitted she would willfully <laughs> lie on the stand. But here's the thing. She's in jail right now. She knows how fucking shit it is. And she's looking at this and being like, hey, I could fucking do this for the rest of my life rather than live in my nice mansion on fucking Beacon Hill. <laughs> fucking stupid. And then she swears Elle to like not tell her secret. And Elle's like, I won't tell anybody. And that's also fucking stupid. That's also bullshit. She, right then and there, talks her into giving her alibi because that's bullshit. Well, not nah, see, she needed the alibi to help convince everyone that Allie Larder is innocent, but now that she knows what the alibi is, she understands just what a terrible, horrible thing this could be if the secret ever got out. Because they're Delta News. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, back at the law firm, uh, Victor Garber tells Selma Blair to get him some coffee because we need to keep reestablishing that she he's making her his bitch or like treating her differently because she's a woman. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean treating her like she's an intern? Yeah, but he's not doing the same thing to Warner. Yeah, no, the case gets, I was going to mention, yeah, treating her like an intern, but it does get brought up that she's the only one who gets ordered around like this. Yeah. So Victor Garber found out that Elle went to visit Allie Larder and gave the name Delta New on the guest sign-in. Yeah, claimed that they were sisters and that her name is Delta New. Again, movies, you have to show ID when you go into a fucking prison. They have to know who you are. They're not just going to let any random asshole go in there. You can't just give a fake name and go visit somebody in jail. Harrison Ford got to do it in The, in the Fugitive. That's true. It's still just this thing about, you know, Elle is supposed to be smart, and yet she constantly does stupid things. Like, yeah. the pseudonym Delta New, as opposed to Jane Smith. Yeah. Or her own name, since she's on the legal council <laughs> and had already been there before. <laughs> like, like, what is this pretense? It's 
it's dumb. It's buckets of dumb. And she won't fucking tell them the alibi. If she was a good lawyer, she'd be like, okay, look, here's the alibi. We win the case now. But because she swears that she wouldn't fucking tell anybody, she doesn't tell the alibi. And this is where she immediately got fired from the legal team for incompetence and went back to Harvard in shame. Yeah, no shit. Well, anyways, despite the fact that she won't tell them the alibi, she is going to be entrusted to go to the spa to talk to the ex-wife of the murdered guy with Luke Wilson. Yep, and this is where we run into, as previously mentioned, very casual Raquel Welch (laughs) having a body wrap. (laughs) Very casual. And by the way, on the drive over to the spa to see Raquel Welch, Luke Wilson tells Elle that he thinks Allie Larder is hiding something. Oh, like her alibi? Top three in his Harvard <laughs> Law School class, ladies and gentlemen. You like, went. She she blatantly said that she's not going to tell you things. <laughs> but you know what? Mr. Wilson's got a hunch. Yep. She also calls him a butthead because she's. 12 and tells him that he needs to have more faith in people but he's not wrong (laughs) that's the thing he's not wrong but this is also apparently flirtation so at the spa we meet the ex-wife raquel welch as we mentioned (laughs) and she insinuates that ali larder was having an affair with the pool boy but l doesn't believe her because she has icky brown hair Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll later learn that she is lying. And by the way, her lying has no bearing on anything. Do you think this movie was trying to make a case for blonde rights at this point? I I, I don't understand what the movie was doing. It's just trying to pick a few holes in the long-standing dumb blonde stereotype. Mm -hmm. That's it. That is the entire purpose of this movie. But two of my favorite recurring things happen simultaneously in this moment. Uh, one, this discussion about brown hair and discriminating against people because of their hair color gets a wonderful time jump because it begins yes. while they're walking out of the spa and then it continues while we're in a car about to get dropped off. But not only that, it continues in glorious ADR. Yes, time jump because we go from day to night. Yes! And- and Luke Wilson has, like, we hear his voice, and he pulls up in the car, and his mouth is not fucking moving. It eventually weirdly sinks up, though. I'm not sure how that happened, because... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, massive, massive time jump. I mean, it was just like, I don't trust her, because she has icky brown hair, and it's such a weird-ass thing to say he didn't know how to come back to that for at least six hours. <laughs> Yeah, I just like to think there was a long six-hour pause between those two. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, how the fuck do I approach this? And then he's just like, so you discriminate against brunettes? Like, that's the best he can come up with after six hours of silence. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, I get discriminated against as a blonde, so I should do the same thing. Which is a horrible mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is fucking horrible. People discriminate against me, so I am entitled to discriminate. It's a great lesson. That is not how problems get solved. It's a great lesson. That's how we as a species get better. (laughs) So yeah, as Luke Wilson drops her off back at campus, tells her that, you know, her blondness is a power and that she should use her blonde powers for good. Um, With great blonde comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love it. Sweet. So I outgrew my responsibility when I was about nine or ten years old. I used to be a very pale blonde child. Now I'm a very pale brunette. 
there you go, you fucking changeling. And so she gets out of the car, and as she drives away, her facial expression lets us know that she's kind of falling for Luke Wilson. And then she walks past socially inept guy getting rejected by a girl. Yeah, it's sort of the, there's no way we'd ever go out with someone like you. And I get what Elle's going for here. I still don't get why it works. She walks over and pulls the, like, how dare you treat me like that? I'm not going to give you a second chance. So what she's going for is to show these women that he can get someone hotter than them. And that he's a good lover. Yeah. Well, uh, no, because it was disappointing. Oh, no, 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 no. He treated her like shit after, yeah, an amazing time. So they're impressed that he was able to get L and really don't care that apparently he's just going to one night stand him. That was my exact note. Like, th- like, like, why are they so into the idea to getting treated like shit? They, they, they want a really good orgasm. Just got to get that D, mm-hmm. man. That's it. Also, don't you know, girls love bad boys. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is the female's purpose to just, you know. Ride our shafts. <laughs> also, why does this scene exist? This scene means nothing. It does nothing but pat out the fucking right. The time. only thing I can think of is so that he'll come and help her out at the end when she asks him to. That's literally the only thing I can come up Just with. Just she does the second nice thing that she's done for a friend. I mean, I guess aside from keep Ellie's secret, but she's more of a celebrity than a friend. But here's the thing. Like, socially inept guy helped her reach a book in the library well before this. Like, he's amenable to helping her. Anyways. (laughs) So... We're in Elle's room now, and Selma Blair comes in to tell her that she was super impressed by her sucking at being a lawyer by not telling Victor Garber Ali Larder's alibi. She she does completely forget that Elle has been trying to steal her boyfriend for months and months, right? Yeah, but as we're going to learn in this scene, Warner sucks. Well, we're going to learn more about how, why he sucks, because he apparently a grown-ass man can't do laundry. They bond over the fact that this grown-ass man cannot do his own laundry. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to get into as well. I, I like that they progressively you know, get over the hatred with each other you know, that was established early on, but then it's just that tired old thing. I think it might count as a bingo stamp that they bond over talking about guys. Yeah. That's definitely a bingo stamp. It's sort of like the, hey, I think standing up and being, you know, good and being yourself. It was just sort of like a way to break the ice so that we could just talk about men for a while. (laughs) This movie very nearly fails the Bechdel test frequently. (laughs) Wait, hold on. What do you mean very nearly? How how does it come close to passing? (laughs) Oh, shit. Are there moments where two named characters who are women don't talk about a man? Fuck. Well, I guess between her and Allie Larder. Yeah, I was about to say, between her and Allie Larder. I mean, except for the whole dead husband thing. (laughs) That's kind of hanging over the air. Okay, yeah, this movie written by two women very narrowly passes the Bechdel test. (laughs) So yeah, you know, also points out that, oh, you know, Victor Garber never asked Warner to get him coffee because, you know, starting to point out the sexism of Victor Garber. And again, I don't like the turn this character took because he was awesome originally and then also in this scene selma blair volunteers apropos of nothing that warner was actually waitlisted at harvard law school he didn't actually get in his dad had to pull some strings yeah they're just having a men are worthless and can't do anything for themselves moment and so that's just something that gets brought up also he can't do laundry fucking grown-ass man can't do laundry jesus christ so now it's time for the trial 
we get some testimony from the daughter, uh, Raquel Welch, and uh, I have him down as Latino Rami Malik, <laughs> and they all commit perjury. <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, Raquel Welch is in on it. Well, she's lying about her having an affair with the pool boy. Oh, uh, yeah. AKA yeah, that Latino is true. Rami That's Malik. true, yeah. I actually had to look up to see if that was Remy Malik or not. That's how close this resemblance is. And apparently it was true that the defendant forced the pool boy to wear a thong while cleaning his pool her pool filters. Yeah, a blue sequin thong is entered into evidence as this pool boy's uniform. It's his work uniform. How is that? Not a big deal. It's 2001 and he's Latino and nobody gives a fuck about them in that era. And so basically the pool boy perjures himself and says that they were having an affair. After that, the court is adjourned and Allie, Lauder, Allie Larter tells Elle that a Delta Nu would never sleep with a man who wears a thong. She's just kind of like watching him clean the pool in it. So wrong. Again, I am really, really want her to get off. Don't you guys? In what way? <laughs> Honestly, neither. Neither, yeah. And Elle believes her because reasons. Mm-hmm. So back at the beauty salon, Hot Tiberell has a really big package this time for Jennifer Coolidge. And she gets tongue-tied and she drops the digital pen thingy that he has to sign on the, the pad. You make it sound like she got flustered and fumbled the pen. She is literally holding it and just kind of goes like, uh, 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 like, kind of fling drops it this is just like red flag city seriously <laughs> oh she purposely drops the pen in a very awkward fashion is what you're very saying. obviously as well got it okay and then and then just does that really slow and is very awkward trying to do the bend and snap and it's just it's not funny it, it wishes it was funny it's not funny it's just off-putting and she breaks his nose. Yeah, because he tries to lean down to help her at the same time, getting in her way of her snap part of the bend and snap. And so, yeah, breaks his nose. So back in the courthouse, uh, Latino Rami Malik, who um, we just got to talk about his fucking outfit real quick. Yeah, I take it as like we just kind of cut away and came back. Court got adjourned. More of like they were having a recess is more of what it seemed like. Yes. But he changed his clothes. Did he change his clothes? Yes. I thought he had when he was oh, testifying, okay. he was wearing a gray shirt and a sport jacket. And now he's wearing this like green scales sequins thing. You're the sequin shirt that's like green and yellow. I mean, I guess maybe they really did, you know, adjourn for the day. You just never felt that passage of time. And everyone else is dressed so plainly that I didn't notice if anyone else was wearing like maybe a different tie or whatever. But just in Enrique's case, it was so glaringly obvious. And I, I felt like they just took a lunch break. And for some reason, he had to change clothes. <laughs> That's exactly how it felt. I totally agree with you. But here's the thing. Just because, you know, we need to Latino up this Latino. <laughs> on the back of this crazy sequin shirt, you have like a Virgin Mary icon. The kind that you would see on a Mexican prayer candle but he cuts l off from the water fountain and so she gets like really impatient and just kind of like starts tapping her foot and oh hell no you are not tapping at me with those last year out of season shoes or whatever the fuck it was prada shoes that's important ah uh, yes not just that they are outdated prada he can recognize that shit yep 
and she has a big realization and she bursts into the rest of the defense team and she's like, they couldn't have had an affair. He's gay. And Allie Larder's like, hey, now that you mention it, oh, by the way, Allie Larder has also had a fucking costume change. She isn't in that crazy um, newspaper blazer that she was in previously. She's in like a gray dress thing. Okay, so again, just the weight of time was not given. It was not given at all. And Allie Lorder mentions that she found a share tape of the pool house one time. So, I mean... Oh, you gotta just love the layering of the stereotypes. It is through her knowledge of gay stereotypes that she finds a breakthrough in this case. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Only gay people are allowed to know fashion, listen to share. I mean, Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren would disagree with that. (laughs) Really? They're share fans? I didn't know that. (laughs) I'm sure they are share fans, too. Um, but Victor Garber doesn't believe her, but it's very clear that Luke Wilson does. Yep, he is there to magical white man this. <laughs> he's gonna magical white man the shit for her. And he's like, don't worry, I, 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 I got this. And so Victor Garber asks the pool boy an innocuous question, but it's very casual. He seems to think it's sufficient to discredit the pool boy. Luke Wilson comes up, he's like, look, look, let me just ask him a couple questions. And basically tricks him into admitting that he's got a boyfriend. Yeah, he just gets him to do some rapid fire, quick and easy answers. You know, where did you go on dates? How long have you been having an affair? What's the name of your boyfriend? Chuck. (laughs) And someone held up a sign because obviously the people who go to watch court cases are a live studio audience because they get their (laughs) oohs and gasps in. I mean, court shows like Judge Judy and stuff don't have reactions from the people watching it. And then, so the the pool boy, Latino Rami Malik tries to backtrack, and he's like, no, 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 Chuck's just a friend. I thought you meant, oh, like, who's your friend? And Chuck is apparently in the gal- gallery, and he, like, gets up all offended, like, you bitch. And, like... Because we didn't have enough stereotypes yet. No, 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 we needed some more. Can never have enough. Surely... Chuck, if he's there and dating this guy and sees him lying about an affair with a woman, surely he's in on the perjury? Yeah, I was really uncertain about Chuck's role in this whole thing. (laughs) Or if he's not in on the perjury, he's now bearing witness to what a shit person Enrique is. But this is the straw that broke the camel's back for him. (laughs) And so Elle appreciates that uh, Luke Wilson believed her. So back at the law firm, things are winding down for the night. Selma Blair tells Elle that Victor Garber wants to see her. And they they laugh, you know, look, I already got him coffee. Maybe he wants a donut because they're pals now. All it takes is a casual conversation about men. Yeah. (laughs) Look, guys, don't do laundry. It will strengthen women's friendships. Wow. (laughs) This is the lesson before our final lessons. This is a bonus lesson. So in the office, uh, Victor Garber is very impressed with her instincts, her ability to gain and keep the client's trust. He should have listened to her. And he asked her like, hey, so uh, where are you going to be summer associate? And we all know where this is going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Says a bunch of shit. That's code for let's fuck. Puts his hand on her leg and Selma Blair comes up to the door right at that moment and instead of like seeing how the situation plays out storms off assuming that l is fucking victor garber yeah which is amazing because instantly l is like what the fuck are you doing you goddamn creep and gets the hell out of there and quits mm-hmm. is the appropriate reaction runs into luke wilson tells him exactly 
what happened. Uh, not but bef- right before that, uh, Selma Blair kind of like has a moment of like, I knew you were just faking and you're you're going to fuck your way to the top and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, which L doesn't say anything to just lets the door of the elevator close. Yeah, yeah. Selma Blair gives her some shit, then runs into Luke Wilson, who believes her, of course, and calls, you know, Victor Garber very horrible. And apart from him getting fired from the case, that is his entire consequence of these actions. And it's not much of a stretch to assume that this has happened many times before. Definitely not. Why aren't charges brought up against him? A student? A colleague? It's just completely ignored. Exactly. This is why my how you doing was I am facing the mildest consequences possible. He lost a client. Again, I don't like what they did with Victor Garber's character because Victor Garber was awesome. And Victor Garber doesn't play assholes. He's usually a good guy. Yeah, he's usually pretty goddamn awesome and nice and sweet and understanding. He's typically the voice of reason in <laughs> in most situations. Well, I mean, I have no, no trouble with that. I mean, subverting expectations. It's just it didn't come across as like. No, subverting expectations is is wonderful. That's how you got, like, you know, Denzel Washington in training day. Holy shit. But there was, as Nick mentioned earlier, there was no reason for this other than we need some conflict. Yeah. It's it's not good enough that will they win the case or not, but will L be able to win the case? And so we had to get him out of the way. Right. Yeah. We needed an obstacle for her to overcome. Yeah. So that the first year student could become lead counsel in a murder trial. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, I, I announced early on you shouldn't be taking this too seriously, but damn, yeah, this stretches no, no. incredulity. <laughs> like I said, starting in the second act, the plot falls apart. Point of order, you're presuming there was one there to begin with. There was somewhat of a plot. <laughs> there was, the there was a semblance, yes. So yeah, bumps into Luke Wilson in the hallway, who's basically like, look, you can't quit. You know, she's like, look, I'm not meant to be a lawyer. I just got here because of my looks. You know, nobody's ever going to take me seriously. Like, this is not who I'm supposed. I'm trying to be something that I'm not. And he's like, hey, maybe you're trying to be somebody that you're supposed to be. You know, do you ever think of it that way? And she's like, nope, she's leaving. Packs up her stuff, goes to say goodbye to Jennifer Coolidge. And like cries, like, you know, everybody's always just going to see her as a blonde with big boobs and no they're not your boobs are not that big i was about to say reese wilson is not that busty no no she's not you know she's like this internship for the first time in her life somebody expected something more from her than being a victoria's secret model also like look reese witherspoon's cute and all i don't see her as a victoria's secret model yeah the movie just keeps making these claims about her body that's not true (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there's anything wrong with her i think she's very pretty but just No, not the way she's being described here. No, no. This was written for a much harder lead actress. And she's like, yeah, Callahan, Victor Garber, never saw me as a lawyer, just a piece of ass. And man, there is a saying that just came and went for a hot second in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that's when law professor McGonagall turns around from her dryer chair and says, if you're going to let one stupid prick ruin your life, then you're not the woman I thought you were. Pep talk ex machina. (laughs) And then she leaves. And then she leaves. Exactly. Pep talk ex machina. (laughs) The worst encouragement speech I've ever seen in any movie ever. Drops the mic. Is she done with the dryer? Is her hair done? (laughs) It is Elle's world. Everyone else is there to support her. Uh, she just magicked her damn ass into the salon. <laughs> then she turned into a cat and left. <laughs> yes. So in jail, uh, Selma Blair and Luke Wilson are talking to Allie Larder. 
They reveal that Elle quit because Victor Garber hit on her, and now Selma Blair feels terrible for being a dick to her. They should have actually let her talk. Shoot. Yeah. Or just literally stayed by the door for a fucking second and a half. (laughs) Look, we know this movie is not above contriving conflict, but don't worry, Luke Wilson has a plan to fix all this up. Back in court... um. I just need to make sure I read my notes here correctly. Uh, Allie Larder fires the top defense attorney in the state to be represented by a first-year fucking law student. I think I got that right. Ain't no rule says she can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I say we let the dog decide. Yes, does Bill Cops come in and settle this damn thing for us? (laughs) That is what this movie needed right now. Yes, this movie needed Bill Cops. The role of Bill Cobbs will be played by Luke Wilson this evening. Please make note for the changes in your program. (laughs) No, he will not be in blackface. Stop asking. (laughs) And so Elle enters the courtroom as her perfectly pink self. She has now accepted who she is. She's leaning into it. She's not going to play by their stuffy New England rules. With David Kidney behind her. (laughs) With David Kidney behind her. Will he do anything? No, he's just there. He's there for a book. Yeah, he is there to, um, actually, the situation. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't look it up, but this can't possibly be a fucking thing. I wanted to look it up, and then I realized I just don't care enough. Me neither. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, apparently a law student can be counsel on a case, provided that there is an actual lawyer there to supervise. And Luke Wilson says he'll be that lawyer. The fuck? So Victor Garber takes his place in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) And shitty blonde and brunette friends show up because we're here to see your trial. Blonde turns to the jury and is like, vote for Al. Jesus Christ. So now we get back to the daughter. The daughter's going to give some more testimony. Apparently the first time wasn't enough. By the way, the daughter's name is Chutney. <laughs> Just going to let that hang out there for a moment. <laughs> Call her fucking condiment. Call her French's yellow. Jesus. Look, I don't like to rag on white people, but stop calling your fucking kids food and condiments. Jesus Christ. You got to have a last name, which is a location in, in London, Kensington, like Vivian. Chutney Kensington Esquire at your service. Anyway, let's get to this ludicrous trial. Oh my god. Okay, so how this fucking thing resolves itself is the dumbest shit. Anyways. Elle starts by making a statement uh, as opposed to what you actually do in a trial, which is questioning the witness. So her statement would immediately be objected to, overruled, and disregarded by the jury. And she shows off her knowledge of vocab words, and the judge calls her out on that shit. Like, yes, I've been to law school. I'm a fucking judge. Yeah, (laughs) I know what these words mean. Why don't you get to questioning the goddamn witness? (laughs) So I'm not going to go through like the back and forth, because this moment takes fucking forever. At least it felt like forever. Basically, they never found the murder weapon. The daughter tries to insinuate that Allie Larder stashed it. Luke Wilson assists her by objecting to speculation and then l wins the case by catching chutney in a lie about getting a perm and then taking a shower yep and that forces her to confess everything you know oh yeah wasn't the police wasn't you know any of the numerous times she was questioned beforehand no it was it was this one 
moment. It was her knowledge of hair care that gave her the insight to call out a lie, which, as mentioned, the immediate breakdown and confessing her, you know, confessing the crime herself because she didn't mean to shoot her dad. She thought it was Allie Larder coming through the door. So, manslaughter. And confession of attempted murder? Yeah, so she's got two things. (laughs) But movies keep thinking that confessions happen in court like this when it's like just the rarest thing ever they've been deposed numerous times yeah but we're hitting a 90 minute runtime here gotta wrap this shit up basically is what the movie's saying so she's arrested the case is dismissed and basically as long as all of Elle's cases going forward involve beauty and fashion knowledge she's gonna do just fine (laughs) yeah pretty much and her knowledge of gay stereotypes yes her knowledge of gay stereotypes And so outside the courthouse, uh, well, the courtroom, rather, uh, Warner tries to opportunistically get back together with her, tells her that he loves her, and she's like, you know, she's waited for so long for him to say that, but if she's going to be a partner at her top law firm by the time she's 30, she needs a boyfriend who's not such a complete bonehead. This was a reshoot. Really? Test audiences were upset that there was not sufficient closure between them. Interesting. This was originally not supposed to be there. Neither, apparently, was the uh, graduation scene it helped that we jump a few years into the future you know because now Elle's graduating law school uh do we jump there or does she walk into a blown out grainy (laughs) void as she exits the courthouse (laughs) and then okay fair enough fair enough But yeah, yeah. So no, this was also um, a last minute addition. I don't know how, I guess it was supposed to just end with them winning the trial originally. But Reese Witherspoon was busy uh, making something else. I forget at the moment. So she's wearing a wig and Luke Wilson is wearing a wig because he had his head shaved for Royal Tenenbaums at this point. And this is why all the shots of everybody they're separate because they were all off working on other projects and they just were able to shoot whenever they could work them in and edit it together. That's crazy. Dad has his martini claws. I was about to say, yep, and Dad is still drinking. He showed up for graduation with a goddamn martini in his hand. And because we haven't had enough protagonist power, of course Elle's the valedictorian. Well, she's not the valedictorian. She got voted to give the speech. Oh, I I thought that she was uh, best in class. Nope. She, okay. She, this was a popularity thing. All right, fine. But she did get into a top law firm, a Boston law firm, so she will continue to lawyer. This is true. And gives a very generic speech. With a final stamp on the bingo card, because every graduation speech in TV and film has to end with, We did it! My high school graduation, our class speaker literally began his speech with, well, I guess I'm supposed to say we did it, right? That's what you're supposed to do in these sort of things. But we did what? We're only just now getting started. Like, (laughs) actual graduation speech began with calling bullshit on that trope. That's amazing. (laughs) And she completely misunderstood the Aristotle quote, by the way. That was was a nice cherry on top of things. (laughs) (laughs) wait how did she misunderstand the aristotle quote talking about it as the passion to learn law when that's not what aristotle was referring to at all (laughs) was talking about the actual law process itself then we get the deus ex subtitle resolution yeah we get the animal house breakfast club american graffiti clothes so selma blair dumped warner and is now besties with Elle. 
Warner graduated without honors, without a job offer, and without a girlfriend. So he's got to go back to Newport in disgrace with a fucking Harvard Law degree. I honestly don't know how he's going to be able to make it in life. Jennifer Coolidge and uh, UPS guy got married and had a kid. And Luke Wilson quit Victor Garber's law firm, started his own firm, and has been dating Elle for two years. And he's going to propose tonight. So she's going to get married after all. And absolutely no mention of anything that happened with Victor Garber. (laughs) Nope. Victor Garber or her friends, by the way. Nothing about her friends. (laughs) We didn't know anything about him anyway, other than one got a haircut and the other was getting married. Or socially awkward guy who like showed them the rules about dogs being able to be lawyers. Like he didn't get a little blurb either. He went back to deworming Somalian orphans. Sure, why not? And the song that started the movie plays us out. Uh, so yeah. Credits! Yay! Movie's over. That was Legally Blonde. But before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So Jules, what did you learn today? You should never judge someone by the color of your hair. You should judge them by the school they go to, (laughs) their intelligence, their money. In fact, treat all poor and unintelligent people like trash! And John, what did you learn? I learned that I am a discredit to my gender due to the fact that I can do laundry. You fucking disgrace. Motherfucker. And I learned that uh, I could probably go to Harvard Law School. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling pretty good about my chances after watching this movie. You got this, dude. (laughs) All you need is a montage and a girlfriend who doesn't think you're good enough. Well... The entire female gender doesn't think I'm good enough, so that should be extra motivation. And before we go, of course, we need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home got to look forward to sinking their teeth into? Sinking teeth is quite apt, because we talking dinosaurs with Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's such a bloody beautiful movie. Oh, I'm sure we're going to find plenty of things to rip apart. We're, well, we're all going to keep jerking off to John Williams at the very least. Hell yeah. Oh, I will be abandoning so many children. <laughs> <laughs> very true. And John, do you have any uh, reviews to get our DNA sequenced for next time? Oh, of course I do. All right. So this comes from the Globe and Mail. Perfectly passable kitty escapism. It has a thrill or two and a chill or three. But it has no poetry, little sense of wonder, no resonant subtext, Jungian or otherwise, no art. When it's over, it's gone. Extinct. Because you know how no one carried memories of Jurassic Park with them, as opposed to this gem that we just finished discussing. (laughs) Yeah, Jurassic Park just came and went, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Such an unremarkable film. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.